Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. This is the Bears Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Bears Wire editor, Alyssa Barbieri. About coming in and with Brisker, same draft class, both in the secondary, to have a chance to, to kind of be partners here for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, we started talking, and I think uh, as we build our relationship, I think it'll definitely benefit us. You know, I mean, we definitely talk about uh, getting together and getting the playbook and uh, pushing each other along and stuff. So I think it'll be good for us to go back and forth with each other. So I'm happy I got him on my side. What was your initial reaction when he was drafted? Just the when he was, yeah, he picks after you, and then like, what did you know about his? Yeah, you've crossed paths the combine and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't find out till after, until like way later. But when I found out, uh, he DM'd me. And we're immediately on the same page, so I'm just happy, you know, I'm on the same page as him, and uh, and we're just both ready to work. So I- I'm excited that the DBE is, you know, he's a long, tall uh, safety, so uh, we're going to put in some work. There's Kyler Gordon, Bears' first pick in the draft, not first round. Obviously, they didn't pick in the first round, but number 39 overall, the Bears taking the corner out of Washington, Kyler Gordon. And he's talking about Alyssa forming a potential tandem you know, maybe a, a tandem of the future on the defensive side with Jaquan Brisker, who the Bears took nine picks later, the safety, out of Penn State. How are you feeling about that? The Bears not trading back in the second round, as a lot of people speculated. They stand pat, and they go defense with both picks. How are you feeling? I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a little surprised that they went defense with both of those selections, but kind of, you know, having a moment to kind of sit and kind of digest everything that happened and seeing that they got two really great players at their position who can be, like you said, foundational pieces on this defense for many years to come. I mean, I'm impressed. And I think looking at what Ryan Poles, because that was the thing that we talked about a lot, Ryan, is we didn't really know what Ryan Poles' philosophy was or like what his tendencies were going to be. And I think we saw a lot of what he's going to do in the future, whether that was trading back and turning six picks into 11, uh, whether we saw him addressing two of what he felt were the biggest needs on this team. I think we saw that when he selected four offensive linemen in the draft, granted all on day three, and then he selected three defensive backs, including using first those first two picks on a cornerback and safety and Gordon and Brisker. So, I mean, it was a little surprising to see them wait until round three to get a receiver, but kind of looking at how deep this receiver class was, you know, I, it wasn't a, a big surprise. But, you know, when you look at what they have in Gordon and Brisker, two guys who were just absolute monsters at their positions in college and looking at their just their potential and what they could be in the long term. I mean, I think this isn't like a super sexy draft, right? You know, we all wanted a big name receiver. You know, I was someone that was pounding the table for George Pickens, even at number 48 after Gordon was selected. But at the same time, you look at these two guys that they got and. I think Ryan Poles is doing, because this is his first year, right? We have to remember, it's his first year as GM. He's in this for the long haul. So he's he's playing the long game here, and he is addressing the two biggest needs. The secondary was a mess last year. And immediately, you got two guys that are going to start in Gordon and Brisker at cornerback and safety. So, I mean, he's playing the long game. He's addressing the needs, building the roster slowly. It takes more than a year to, to rebuild this entire roster. So, I mean, I kind of feel like I have a better understanding of what polls is going to do as we kind of move forward in his tenure as GM of the bears. So, I mean, I was kind of, I was definitely impressed with how he handled the second round, especially not kind of conforming and giving into, Oh yeah, the bears need receivers, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, I think it definitely showed his strategy and how he's going to be building this team. Oh, 100%. And yeah, I mean, I agree hundred percent when you said it's not the sexiest draft, like 
George Pickens, Sky Moore, a pick like that, that would have been pretty sexy. Uh, I don't think anybody's calling this a sexy draft except for Matt Eberflus, right? You go defense, <laughs> both of these picks, I mean, he needed a cold shower. Uh, you, you could see that defensive e- influence of Eberflus for sure. I think we all were, we all wanted that wide receiver so bad. I mean, how many times have, do I got to say it? I don't want Darnell Mooney to be my wide receiver one. Well, Alyssa, wide receiver one is Darnell Mooney, right? It's, it's going to be Mooney. It's going to be Pringle, and it's going to be Valus Jones, who the Bears ended up with in the third round. What does that mean for Justin Fields? We'll get into all that. We're going to, we're going to really give our thoughts on these, on these draft picks, including Gordon and Brisker. Uh, but first, I, we got to get to something. And this is kind of old news now. And I know this is not breaking or anything. This is something that's been reported on, but maybe not enough. There is a, an era that came to an end with the Bears that we have to give our attention. We have to give the respect that it deserves. Nick Foles. Nick Foles, right? Nick Foles is God. <laughs> Poor Nick Foles, right? The most awkward tenure ever. It ended up being two full years with the Bears, right, Alyssa? Um, it's done. It's over. Foles, he goes from the backup to the starter to the third stringer to the forgotten man uh, to the starter again. Uh, it just just this really awkward roller coaster ride for Nick Foles where he was in the limelight and then just completely in the basement. Uh, but it comes to an end, right? The Bears finally... They can't find a trade partner. They're saying, we're not going to have you hold the clipboard as the third stringer anymore. We're going to cut you loose and take whatever pennies on the dollar we can get at this point with your expiring contract. Uh, we're going to miss Nick Foles, aren't we? He gave us some good content on this show in particular. Yeah, he really did. I mean, and kind of thinking back to the whole Foles era, it felt like it was like 10 years. I know it was not. It was it did. three. Yes, it did. But it felt like it was 10 years. There was so much that happened, I think. Just kind of in 2020, it felt like seven years in itself. Just that was just an absolute mess, uh, like the highs and the lows and everything. And you know, I think they did him a favor, putting him out of his misery, being like, "Okay, we're going to just release you, and then you can go pick, you know, wherever you want to sign." Because they knew they couldn't, they weren't going to get much for him because of that contract. I mean, and I think that just goes back and shows you exactly why Ryan Pace isn't here anymore. That was one of the worst moves in his tenure as GM, and I think. That, that along with the Justin Fields of it all played a big part in him also being released alongside Matt Nagy. So, I mean, you know, Nick Foles, I have a soft spot in my heart for him because of a couple things. Obviously, we always have Atlanta. I remember when he came in and replaced Trubisky. You know, that was, ooh, that game was exciting. The Tampa Bay game finally beating Tom Brady because the Bears had never beaten Tom Brady. And it took the Super Bowl MVP, the guy that has beaten him, the only one, or one of the only ones that's ever beaten him in the Super Bowl, um, and Nick Foles to beat Tom Brady. And then the Seattle game, right, last Christmas when everything was a mess and you were just counting the days what a game. until Matt Nagy was going to be fired. Yeah. That was In the snow, on the, the round, Nick Ooh. Foles, man. That was just, just peak Nick Foles right there. Nick Foles. And I will always love Nick Foles for the fact that he was the one to call out Matt Nagy and to expose him for the fraud that he is, right? Uh, you know, Nagy was like trying to use Trubisky as the scapegoat, but then, you know, then he brought his guy in and Foles and, you know, guess what? The offense didn't work with him. And I loved those sideline shots uh, of Foles kind of like, I think it was the Tampa game actually, uh, or, or it was one of the earlier games when he took over for Trubisky, when he was like, having the conversation and you could see like he was very you know vocal with his hands and like disagree with Nagy and be like no 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 that's not working this is what we need to do so like I always respect Foles for kind of you know giving it back to Nagy and exposing him and you know helping him 
get the hell out of Chicago pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And he gave us some good sound when he was QB one and he was in those QB one pressers. Uh, we, we were definitely, we played a lot of Nick full sound and reacted to it. And <laughs> sometimes he was really funny and sometimes he was really serious and mad. And it was just, it was great. It was, it was good theater. It was a roller coaster, as I said. Uh, yeah, I, I like how you put that, how it was just, it was a terrible move bringing him over in the first place. He was with the Jaguars and we're in the spring of 2020 when Ryan Pace, I guess he thinks Alyssa, you know, what would push Mitchell Trubisky, former Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. We got to go get Foles, right? So, so they go and get Foles. They trade a fourth round comp pick. I think it was 140 overall. Now the Jags ended up taking a linebacker named Shaq Quarterman who none of us have ever heard of, right? He had no sacks last year. So don't worry, Bears fans. The pick didn't amount to anything. This Shaq Quarterman, who the Jags picked in this spot where the Bears would have been if, had they not traded for Nick Foles. It sounds like this guy kind of sucks. So uh, I guess we shouldn't be mad about the pick that we lost. Uh, but the Bears take on three years and 50 million for Nick, for Nick Foles' contract. And he saw basically all of that, right? Like, I, I don't have the math right in front of me, but... I know 21 million of it ended up being guaranteed because he restructured right when he uh, got traded. So he got 21 million in guarantees and he probably got the rest of it too. almost all that 50 million. Nick Foles got to, as we said last year, hold the clipboard behind Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Uh, So just, just a wild ride with him. And you gotta, you gotta think back to it. If he was handpicked by pace or handpicked by Nagy and say, we need this guy to push Trubisky and the first sign of trouble with Trubisky, we're going to Foles. If that was the plan, because it definitely played out that way, you got to look at them and be like, what were you thinking? Because Nick Foles did not fit Nagy's offense at all. I mean, Foles was a freaking statue, right? I mean, what you you said he ran like a wounded deer. Is that what you said, Alyssa? He had that great quote. He had that great quote. I mean, he couldn't move. He had that one amazing year with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl, but he was like the RPO master, if you remember. He was just sitting there in the shotgun, play fake, put the ball on someone. Doug Peterson had that offense rolling. It wasn't like Foles was running around with a, with a Superman cape on, like Patrick Mahomes making all these plays. It, it, that just wasn't the thing. So to put him in this offense where Mitch Trubisky, who is just a completely different player who can move around the pocket and that's kind of his game is to use his legs, to switch him with Foles and then try to run the same offense like Nagy was, it just never made sense. It, it shouldn't surprise us that it failed. But you're right. It seems like 10 years later, only two years later, Foles is finally cut loose. It's just this wild, huge, weird mistake that was actually kind of fun at times. But this mistake is finally over. We can finally put it behind us. The Bears finally cutting Nick Foles loose, right? But you got you to gotta think back to it. It's like, why was he here in the first place? He did not fit Nagy's offense. He never did. His style. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this was a Matt Nagy move, you know, because he knew Foles from, you know, when he was in Philly with uh, with Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, uh, you know, a while ago, and Foles was there the first time. So, you know, and Nagy was probably like, okay, yeah, he he can run my offense, right? Because clearly it's Trubisky's fault. It's not me. I'm good. I'm, I'm good as a play caller. I know what I'm doing. I just need a quarterback that knows what the hell he's doing, but we saw how that worked out. And, like, I still remember, like, the first training camp in 2020, and, you know, it was amid COVID and everything. So it was already just kind of out of whack. And I remember, like, covering, like, that quarterback competition daily. And, like, it was just, I'm like, why? Because, like, no, and I remember, because, like, none of, like, whether Trubisky or Foles, they sucked. Like, they were, they were okay. No one was, like, kind of taking the lead in the competition. It was, like, stagnant the entire time. And then finally, they're like, okay, let's just stick with Mitch then, because 
you know, it's been a shortened off season because of COVID and maybe Foles isn't ready. And we know we're going to bench Trubisky at some point anyway. So we'll <laughs> exactly. just throw Foles in there later. It was just, oh my gosh. I'm like thinking back to that. And then looking at where they're at now with Justin Fields, who's, you know, probably their best quarterback uh, prospect that they've had in a very long time. Uh, it just kind of feels like we can finally close that door because, you know, Foles was still here, even though that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were gone. But now that Foles is gone, it kind of feels like, that chapter is officially closed. Yeah, it was awkward. Like, I'm not a full, like, I don't want full starting for me ever, but I don't want him to be my third stringer either, getting paid all that money. Like, that just never made sense. It was weird. It was awkward. It was awkward with him being the third string quarterback. But, you know, you gotta, it was such a, it was so funny because you're so right. Like, they were waiting for the first moment to bench Trubisky that year. The, the Bears were 2 and 0. It wasn't like Trubisky was playing great, but they were 2 and 0. And during that Atlanta game, when they went to three and zero, when Foles came in and saved the day, and then he becomes the starter, and he started like eight games in a row or something. They they won like three of the first four, and they, the Bears were five and one, if you could, if you could believe it that year. And then they, that long six game losing streak followed, right? And do you remember the game where uh, it, it was the end of Foles, where the, where the Bears just abandoned the Foles experiment? It was right before the bye week. It was against the Vikings. When Foles passed for hundred and six yards, he passed it twenty six times, Alyssa. <laughs> For 106 yards. I remembered there was a terrible game where they eventually benched him going into that Green Bay game after the bye. And I had to, I'm like, I remember it was so bad. Let me find it. And I, I found it. it was against the Bears. The Bears, I mean, I'm sorry. It was against the Vikings. The Bears lost 19 to 13 and Foles passed for 106 yards on 26 attempts. And that was the end of Foles. And it was just like, it was like they cut him, right? Like they just forgot he existed. It was Trubisky for the yeah. rest of that year. And then it's Andy Dalton show. And then they trade up for fields. And it's like, Foles just disappeared. It was it was really crazy. Like he was the guy, and then all of a sudden, at, coming out of that bye week when they gave it back to Mitch, he just they just pretended he didn't exist. It was wild. Yeah, I remember his record was terrible too. But that that Vikings game, I remember because Foles got hurt. Remember that was I think he got his hip or he, he oh, took a, yeah, a sack because yeah. of course he was one of the most sack oh, quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he got hurt, and Mitch was already hurt. Because they brought him in during the Saints game to, to do like a, like a run option. Yes, I and remember this. Yes, hurt. I remember this now. So it was Tyler Bray out there in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what was happening? Not good. And, you know, they had the bye week. So that was the perfect time to kind of just kind of put Mitch back in there. Because you can tell that like, Nagy's just like, F it, right? I'm going to try something. Because I, I, we switched play callers. Like, uh, it's not working. Okay, let's try putting Trubisky back in there. And, I mean, it helped a little bit. So did playing some pretty bad opponents down the stretch. But. Oh man, yeah, that, that was a wild ride. Twenty twenty was insane because I forgot that they were five and one at one point. I was feeling good. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And then it all just went downhill very quickly. And yeah, that was twenty twenty was just a dumpster fire. It, it was a year. That was a year for all of us, football and otherwise, right? <laughs> and they and they still made the playoffs, didn't they? They or did. That yes. Nope. They, they did. did the playoffs. The that Saints. Year. That was the Saints game. That was the Saints game. Right. Yeah. They made the playoffs. But it just shows you how far we've come. The spring of 2020, Ryan Pace is trading for Nick Foles to push Mitchell Trubisky. That was only two years ago. And now here we are going into the 2022 season, and we have Justin Fields, who is the next guy. The Bears gave up a lot of draft capital to get him, and uh, that draft is now behind us, and we can start evaluating the team, Alyssa. And in terms of Justin Fields going into his second year, how do you feel about this, right? He is, his weapons now. When we plug in uh, Bayless Jones from Tennessee, who they picked in the third round. So I would imagine he is going to slot in as a starter or get a lot of snaps because 
who's going to take the snaps from him. There's not a lot behind him. So it's going to be Valus Jones. It's going to be Byron Pringle, who they signed, uh, the former Kansas City Chiefs. And your number one wide receiver, whether you love it or not, is Darnell Mooney, who had a great year, and I loved Darnell Mooney last year. I just, like I keep saying, I feel way better about him as your number two, but he's going to be the number one. And you're, we're really hoping for a jump from Cole Komet as well. But um, how do you feel about those weapons in the passing game? And obviously we got David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert at running back. But uh, you can make the case without Allen Robinson here that the Bears got worse on offense. Uh, that's, that's, that, you can definitely make a case there. And what does that mean for Fields in year two? That's going to be an interesting topic that we're following throughout the, uh, the season once we get the training camp. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm trying to be fair, right? Because like we talk a lot about this and being patient and, you know, I want to be fair and see exactly how this plays out in the field and how the rest of the offseason plays out because maybe it could go out and add a a veteran, a wide receiver, like especially as training camp gets underway and some of these surprising cuts are are happening. So there could still be a lot of movement, but if we're kind of looking exactly like where the Bears are right now, this receiving core is probably one of, if not the worst, in the NFL. Uh, and that's not good for your second-year quarterback. When you kind of, in the draft, you see teams like the Jets and who have a young quarterback, or the Packers, even though Aaron Rodgers is far from young, you see teams that needed wide receivers drafting multiple wide receivers in the draft, and the Bears draft one, right? And that's Bayless Jones. They, of course, they did add a whole bunch of undrafted free agents, but at the same time, you know, they were using – you know, significant or higher picks to kind of target like a very specific area, which was wide receiver. And, you know, it's hard to kind of feel entirely confident, but I think, I think it speaks more to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Luke Getty's overall plan on offense than anything. Cause I think when one of the first things that Ryan Poles said when he came into this was that when he was asked about, you know, like the weapons and, you know, obviously Alan Robinson was on his way out was that he felt a lot confident, a lot more confident that Justin Fields could succeed and take that, that step in year two because of this new offense that they're bringing in with Luke Getze. Like he felt like that in itself would be a big factor in kind of just helping him take that jump. But we know it's also the supporting cast. So I think it also speaks to that. They feel a lot more confident than maybe we do. Like even going back to the draft, uh, and where guys like George Pickens and Sky Moore were available there at pick at 48 before the Bears took Brisker. And that just kind of shows you that polls and his, his scouts weren't as high on those guys as maybe we were. Mm. So, like, he decided to go out and get some impact players that he knew can contribute immediately. And he's going to address the wide receiver position in a different way, which he did bringing Bayless Jones in in the third round. And, I mean, we'll see what happens here, but it's kind of hard not to be concerned. And I was hoping at this point, because, you know, we've talked a lot about it's been a Justin Fields off season and, and it will be because the face of the quarterback, the most important guy on the team. So, you know, we talked about this a lot, but I was hoping kind of going back to our off season show and to now that I would feel a little more confident. Like I'm excited to see Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields with an off season to develop that chemistry. Byron Pringle was someone who was kind of buried on Kansas city's depth chart. So I think with his speed and his, his, his playmaking ability that he's someone who could break out in this offense and Bayless Jones. Uh, I'm really excited to see how Getsy uses him. Cause I think that he could really be just a Swiss army knife on that offense. So at the same time, it's really hard not to be concerned. I was hoping I would be feeling a lot more confident at this point in this receiving core and exactly like where Justin Fields is going. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll see. I'm still trying to be patient. It's May, right? We're not even a training camp yet. And there's a whole bunch more moves to happen, but it, it, it's, 
hard not to be concerned right now. Yeah, the motif of this season is uh, practicing patience, right? We got to keep reminding ourselves that every single show we do. Um, because, yeah, you, you, you look at it, Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum are the tackles right now. Like young guys that are still developing. The whole offense is learning a new system, right? So, I mean... It could be painful. It could be painful at times this year. We just gotta we just gotta remember that, right? We gotta remember that. And I do gotta take an L on one of my takes before the draft. I thought that Ryan Poles traded Khalil Mack to acquire another second round pick, Alyssa, uh, Alyssa, and then put that into the offense to help Fields. I thought with one of those second round picks, he was definitely going to go offense. And I thought if he had one pick, if I thought if he only picked one player, it would be offense. If he traded one of the picks, right? I thought it would be wide receiver. That's what I was expecting coming in as a fan. We didn't get that. We didn't get that. He went defense. He went defense. That's a little surprising to me. I thought, you know, we were talking about our, uh, you know, we did our bingo card episode and we said, you know, what would be, you, you get a point there on the bottom row if you had a, su- a surprise selection. And I know Jaquan Brisker is a great pro- uh, prospect and he's probably going to start at safety right away for you, which is great. But I was a little surprised they went defense, defense there. I thought with that pick, it was either going to be a trade back or a wide receiver there. Uh, but we didn't get it. So I, I think Brisker kind of counts as the big surprise. Not stunned that they went defense with their first pick. I saw that. I kind of saw that coming. I thought that made some sense. But then to go defense, defense and kind of ignore that wide receiver position until they got to Valus Jones at pick 71. A little surprising, right? A little surprising. I really thought... When they traded Khalil Mack, they were going to flip that and, and use it on the offense to give Fields a weapon. It didn't happen. I got to take an L on that take, unfortunately. Yeah, it's interesting because we're seeing exactly or we're trying to decipher exactly what Ryan Poles is doing and his overall just kind of philosophy and how he's addressing building this roster. And, you know, it is obviously about Justin Fields because he's the most the quarterback's the most important player and you want to ensure his success. Uh, but I think like when you, you can kind of even look at it where the, he addressed the biggest weakness on defense, which was the secondary, both selections. So, you know, it might be that, you know, polls is, hey, I'm going to build a better entire roster around field, not just necessarily on offense to kind of help him and the entire team as a whole. So, you know, you got two immediate starters and Brisker and Gordon, you know, I think immediately your secondary is upgraded. You're not going to be giving up as many points. Like, so maybe he sees that as a way to also help fields. But at the same time, you do want him to kind of use one of those picks to, you know, go and get him a weapon. But maybe that happens next year, right? Because let's face it, we've talked about this a lot this offseason. This is going to be a rough year. This is not the yep. year yep. to get excited about the Bears. We, we know this. And I think Bears fans understand that. I don't think it would be bad necessarily if they went 6-11 and 11 again. Because if you look at it, then they'd have a higher draft pick. Maybe they can go get someone like Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, like with that top pick and get an impact wide receiver for Justin Fields next year. You know, this year it, it was a little difficult because as we, we talked about a lot, Poles is coming in and having to kind of address the entire roster as a whole, getting rid of these big contracts and addressing these holes that Ryan Pace ignored cornerback and the secondary being one of them. And, you know, he's kind of doing this his way. He's building the roster just kind of from the ground up. And I think that we'll see a lot more moves we talked about in 2023. It kind of feels like everything's being kind of, it's like we're, I don't want to kind of like, I don't want to accuse him of kind of like not looking, looking to this year, but it kind of feels like he's looking ahead to 2023 where there's a lot more leeway. You'll have a first round draft pick. You're going to have a boatload of salary cap space to go out and get some top talent, including a top receiver if you want to. So, I mean, it just kind of, 
I think we're, I'm kind of slowly starting to understand Brian Poles, which is frustrating because before we didn't know him, but I feel like I'm slowly kind of understanding him exactly what he's doing right now. No, I love that take because it, I agree with you 100%. It makes so much sense hearing you talk about it. It's like, it's like, hey, Ryan, we do have we do have to cover this team all year, though. We, we do have 2022. <laughs> We've talked about that. Like, Ryan, don't forget, we do have a season that we all have to watch and endure. And it could. I, I do have a feeling. I, I have a feeling the Bears are going to have a nice draft pick next year. Alyssa. I do. I do feel that uh, a couple of interesting notes here about the draft. We're not going to go through the draft player by player, but we'll be talking about these guys as we go through the offseason. Um, interesting that Gordon and Brisker took their top 30 draft visits to Chicago simultaneously. So they were together when they came to Hallis Hall and met with the Bears as top 30 visits, uh, Alyssa, and then the Bears draft them nine picks apart. I found that to be a really interesting nugget that came out uh, you know, after the fact. Um, so clearly those two are, are seen as the cornerstones of the defense, of the, of the, maybe of the franchise moving forward. Uh, makes sense. I think Brisker starts at safety. I think Gordon's probably starting on the outside, right? Um, opposite Jalen Johnson. And then we're, we're trying to figure out who's the nickel corner in camp. Is it Duke Shelley? Is it Thomas Graham? Who's, who's going to fill that role? But um, I definitely see Gordon starting. Uh, opposite Jalen Johnson. I would I would expect that to be the case. One thing we talked about too going into the draft, we knew they were going to trade back eventually. We knew Ryan Poles wanted to get more capital. And we thought that might happen early on. Well, that didn't happen early on, right, Alyssa? Because he stays pat in the second round. He stays pat in the third round. But day three is when Ryan Poles, when, every, when everybody else is kind of getting tired and falling asleep, all the other GMs are kind of just like, all right, let's, let's go. Let's get this over with. That's when Ryan Poles started going to work and he starts trading back and he gets three six round picks and three seventh round picks. So really just attacking day three and adding depth late in the draft, which is super fascinating to me. It's not like he was going for high end talent. He was going for bodies, right? He wanted to get young, cheap bodies in the room for this season. I mean, how else do you explain that? Like three seventh round picks is what they ended up with. When you do that, isn't that you're almost like getting a head start on the undrafted free agents at that point, right? Like when you're stockpiling seventh rounders, you're really just doing that. You've got some undrafted free agents that you think could be on your radar. Why don't you pluck those up in the seventh round? So loading up on sixth and seventh rounders, even two fifth rounders too. But you come into the draft with six picks total, Alyssa. You end up with six picks alone in the sixth and seventh round. That's kind of fascinating, right? That they attacked day three the way they did. Yeah, and one of the things that I loved was Polz's transparency because at first I wasn't sure if he was being transparent or not. But like when he was talking about kind of his like his pre-draft press conference and like what they wanted to do, he flat out said that they want to trade back. Like, and at first I'm like, okay, is this something where he was kind of trying to throw people off? Because Ryan Pace, you know, he tried to play chess all the time. Oh, yeah. We know he was playing yeah. checkers. So like, but Ryan, exactly. But Ryan Polz is actually straightforward. He's like, he made it known, yes, we want to trade back. We're open to trading back. If it's right. And that's exactly what they did mm-hmm. immediately from the start before, I think it was even before day three kicked off, right as the show was starting or right as, right as uh, round four was starting. Like, I think they're like, oh yeah, the Bears traded that uh, pick back to the Chargers, the, the sixth round pick to get two seventh rounders. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is Ryan Poles' time to shine right here. And it, it, like you said, like they had six picks entering the draft and he turned it into 11 total. And he got a lot of those sixth and seventh rounders. Like you were saying, you know, it is kind of a head start on some of those undrafted guys. But at the same time, you know, you still have an opportunity to choose them because when undrafted free agency starts, they get to kind of pick and choose where they go. So, you know, he was kind of targeting some guys that he really wanted 
to, to bring, to bring on the team. So, I mean, I understand that philosophy and, you know, it was just, when we kind of, when you think about it, technically the bears had five draft picks before Ryan Foles was hired. First thing he did, right. He, he accumulated another one trading Khalil Mack, actually two more, sorry, two more getting um, Khalil Mack, right. He got the second rounder. Technically he got one for 2022, sorry. And then one for 2023. So we got one pick in the Khalil Mack trade for 2022, had six, and then he immediately kind of turned that into 11 in the draft. And man, it was insane on day three because I was like, okay, maybe he'll trade back like once or maybe twice. And I'm like, okay, we can do this. But like it went from three day three picks and me covering them, right? Day three, three day three picks into eight. And I have to give a shout out to my contributors on Bears Wire, Brendan, Nate, and Ryan, because they were helping me along. We have all of our multiple posts for each player. And there were ones that were like two picks apart from each other. And we're cranking this stuff out. They were back to back ones. It, it was, it was a lot. And I think I'm just like hoping that this isn't, I mean, I do like that he's trading back and accumulating draft capital, but like the rate, the way that it happened on day three was kind of nuts. And I'm like, Oh my God, please don't let this happen every year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, do it. it was a bears wire it fire drill, right? You guys, yeah, it was bears wire. You guys were going all out trying to figure out all the like Trenton Gill, a punter. We got to, we got to figure out insane. this. We got to figure out this punter. Who's this punter from NC state? <laughs> Who Ryan Poles is bringing in. Yeah, it's just, it's so fascinating. Yeah, you're right. Back-to-back picks at 254 and 255. You had almost back-to-back picks at 203 and 207. So it was just wild. Uh, just wild and crazy picks coming in. And again, it's just bodies, cheap, really cheap players late in the draft. A lot of bodies in training camp. They're just going to see who sticks. I mean, you were telling me, right? Herbert was a six-round pick last year, the running back. So maybe some of these guys can stick. Yep. Yeah, Ryan Poles will end up looking like a genius. So um, fascinating. We're still trying to figure this GM out, right? We're still trying to figure him out. What's, what's it's getting a little easier, though. Yeah. I feel like we, we're starting to see, and he's someone who transparency is something that I've noticed kind of immediately with him. I didn't know if it was just a temporary thing. And I hope that we see this as the season kind of goes on, that he meets with the media more. And he's willing to be there and answer questions and not try to deflect, which Ryan Pace did on the like, uh, the two times he met with the media the entire year, like that's all he did. So, I mean, like we're slowly starting to understand polls and, you know, I think by next off season, cause you know, we're looking forward to 2023. Yeah. Uh, we're on the 2023. <laughs> that's going to be, that'll be our slogan all year. We're on the 2023. <laughs> we're on the 2023 and that, that top 10 for sure draft pick. It's going to be painful at times. Just, I'm just preparing. Let's prepare ourselves mentally now. It's May. But it's as long May. as Justin Fields, as long as Justin Fields takes a step forward and doesn't step back with everything going on, I think that would be considered a win if he takes a step forward. And yes, you have a bad record, but then you have a better draft pick to kind of go and get him some help. So yeah, I, mean, I think it, that would be what's best. And, it, and I loved what you said earlier. It feels like a decade ago, but it was only two years ago. <laughs> it was only two years ago that it was 2020. And Ryan Pace was the GM and Matt Nagy was the coach and they were trading for Nick Foles. And we had Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky and literally all those people are gone. They're all gone. Two years later, it's over. It's over. It's, it's, over. it's like it's literally <laughs> it, it does with Foles getting cut loose. It does feel like the start of a new era. Finally. Right. Like it wasn't even when Foles was hired. It's like once they cut Nick Foles, it's like, all right. It's now a new era. Like they're all gone. They're all gone. And we now we got to learn these new guys. We got to learn what Fields is all about. We got to learn what Poles is all about. Eberflus, Getsy. Like we're we're doing all this. It's it's literally the start of a new era. It's just going to be bumpy here. It's going to be bumpy at the start. But um, 
I'll give you the final word, Alyssa. Is there anything that sticks out about, you know, on the one of these day three picks, one of these eight day three picks that the Bears did have? Um, or I, I'm sorry, maybe it wasn't day three, but rounds five through seven. Like any cool stories with one of these guys? Do you love the punter that they got out of NC State? Like who's your <laughs> who's your favorite late round pick for the Bears? Oh man, there, there's a couple, but I think my favorite is uh, edge rusher Dominique Robinson out of Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Because when you kind of think of, he's only been playing the position. He's he started actually playing quarterback in high school, and then he converted a wide receiver in college, and then two years ago he converted to to defensive end. So he's only been playing this position for two years, and he's already been dominant and really impressive. So when you think that it takes at least like three years to kind of really get into that and get into your own in that position, I'm really excited to see what he can do, especially learning from someone like Robert Quinn. I think that he's someone who could end up being, we look back at it and, you know, being a fifth round pick. I think he's someone that could end up being a really impactful player down the line. Uh, I'm really excited just about his potential and everything. I think to tire Carter, the offensive lineman in the sixth round, from Southern, he's someone who I'm looking at a lot of people. He really held his own. I know he's from Southern, not really, you know, doesn't play against some high competition in college, but at the same time, he held his own in the senior bowl. So, I mean, he's someone on offense I'm really excited for. I mean, I guess we're going to see exactly how good Ryan Poles is with these late round picks because, I mean, Ryan Pace, that was like his bread and butter. Yeah, Real he sucked in the first round. No doubt. <laughs> it really is. He sucked in the first round, but he was really good from rounds five on or round four, five, six, seven. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it's really nice, too, to kind of, like you mentioned, a new era, because it does feel like you look at what we had, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles. Now we have Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, and, like, they all seem completely different from their counterparts. No doubt. Like, I mean, immediately I'm already noticing, and it's refreshing, especially the GM, the difference between Pace and Poles. Yeah, the draft would have been easier for me if Ryan Pace was still the GM. I would have been just sitting back uh, on day three and, you know, had, like, what, three picks to work with. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I really – I remember it's really refreshing to kind of see this new take and you know what they're building here. Even Matt Eberflus is just a complete 180 from from Matt Nagy, who just kind of seemed like I don't know. It kind of seemed like if this, I used to be a teacher, so like it kind of seemed like he was someone who he wanted to be the fun teacher, but he didn't have a lot of classroom management. <laughs> like he didn't have control of it. But yeah. you have Eberflus, who's a seasoned veteran teacher, where you know he picks and chooses his moments to have fun, but you're going to respect them and you're going to get down to it at the end of the day, if that makes sense. So. Like, I mean, I see differences. I mean, in the quarterbacks, obviously I'm super excited for Justin Fields because I haven't seen this kind of raw talent in a quarterback prospect here in Chicago for, I mean, since Jay Cutler maybe. So, I mean, and I haven't had a lot of quarterbacks through for uh, that have been really good <laughs> here in Chicago. So, I mean, the new era, I mean, we have to remember that going into 2022 because it's going to be rough. It, it, there's going to be a lot of losses. I just hope that, that there are fewer losses than the Lions have because I have a bet going with my uncle. <laughs> look out. <laughs> we're betting look a out. bottle of wine. Ooh, look out for Detroit. I need the Bears to win more games than the Lions. So let's oh. just, if that happens and Justin that... Fields takes a step forward, I'm good. That might be tough. <laughs> that might be tough this year. It might be tough. We'll see. We'll see. I don't really know what's coming this year for the Bears. So it's going to be interesting. But I do, I do like you. You've used this analogy before, like that classroom analogy. It's almost like, yeah, the, the unruly classroom where the, where the adults show up. Maybe the adults from the uh, administration show up to calm it all down. It's like the adults are in the room now, right? You've, you've used that analogy before. Yeah. Ryan Poles, Ibra Flues, the, the adults are here now. We're going to get this ship in order. 
and uh, we're going to move forward. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you said there was 40 posts in one day on Bears Wire during the draft? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Like, I think at one point, too, it was between like the draft, like the four days of the draft, we had the pages were insane, too. And like the oh, number yeah. of posts, we were like well over, we were like over 100. It was shout out to everyone on Bears Wire, uh, all my entire team, like they, they killed it. Yeah, it, it was definitely. it was awesome. It, it was insane. The draft is definitely probably the most grueling time of the NFL season for a sports journalist. So like, I can I feel like I can take a step back and relax now because it's not going to be as bad as. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of you across the NFL wires for USA Today. I mean, oh, yes. I mean, the pick comes in and you guys have the article up. It's it's amazing. It's amazing the work you guys do. So yeah, definitely huge round of applause to the whole crew of Bears Wire and then and then everybody across the. Uh, the NFL wires for USA yeah. Today. You guys, you guys kill it every single year. Um, you just keep getting better at it too. But I keep 40, 40 posts in one. I hope you guys can get a little bit of a, a break <laughs> as we get into June and July here and the NFL quiets that a little bit, but we do have schedule day coming up. So uh, who knows? Yes. I mean, are the bears relevant enough to do a, a schedule day episode next week? I don't know. Maybe I'm here for it. If you are. Hey, hey yeah. Hey, I'm always on it. So I want to come and talk Bears football with you all the time, even uh, though we know 2022 is going to be rough. We can do like go game by game. You can be, say, oh yeah, they're going to lose both these Packers games. <laughs> uh, I, I still think that they're going to, you know, you look at the Bears and they're not a team that's trending in the right direction, but they do have Justin Fields and they do have the history. So I still think they're going to get at least three primetime games. And you know, one of them is going to be against the Packers. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> I know. And the Packers feel kind of gettable. Although their defense is so good, they feel worse on offense, you know, without, without their number one receiver there. So, I mean, the, the Packers feel gettable, but we're not, get, not going to get them this year. We're just not going to get them this year, unfortunately. We're not going to be able to get them. So, give me Tyler, give me Tyler Gordon on Christian Watson, and then we'll see who got mm, the better pick. Mm, <laughs> I like it. I, I mean, I'm sure Gordon's going to be great. I, I like, I like the picks. I don't mind them going defense. It was just surprising. It was surprising. I wanted them to be predictable and go wide receiver. So, we'll have to see. But I, I think that's a good idea. I think we, you know, we can come back. We can wrap up our draft thoughts and do a schedule day episode next week, and we can, we can. We'll look at Typico, Alyssa. We'll see what the over/under is for wins, and we'll uh, we'll we'll give our <laughs> predictions on where the bears are, the bears are at here going into June. And then we'll see we'll, we'll see oh, what happens at the end of the year. That sound good? That sounds good because then we have a long break, just we like do. the team yeah. break. Well deserved. I'm gonna break. I mean, I'm still gonna be writing, but like I'm gonna take a. It's gonna be a lot more calming and relaxing. <laughs> writing, writing from the pool, like poolside, you know. Writing from the hey, yeah. from the beach, exactly. Yes. You know, I'm down here in Florida. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the weather's just creeping up there for me on the East Coast uh, on, over in New Hampshire here. We got an 80 degree day here coming up on a Saturday and uh, I just don't know what to do. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. 80 degrees. I mean, that's like heaven. That's like heaven over here. It's 80 here all the time. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So not, not for me. Not for me. So 80 degrees. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I keep looking at the weather. Go outside. Sure, yeah, I'm making sure it doesn't change. Um, so, okay. Beautiful. We'll be back next week to, uh, to talk schedule day. Looking forward to that. Um, for Alyssa, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you all. We'll catch you next week. Bear down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.